This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit the subscribe button, consider sharing this episode with your team, and let's join Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. Welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. We are so excited and honored to have you back for another great conversation. If you lead from the middle in any capacity, Leading Second is for you. I know if you're here, you have a heart to get it right for your pastor. So do I. And I pray that these conversations will just breathe some life into you in a very, very unique season that we're all experiencing as leaders. I heard it said recently, this thought, and I wanted you to wrestle through this with me for just a minute. I heard it said recently that connection is the new excellence. Not just someone like being on our mailing list or being an Instagram follower. Real connection is the new excellence. In other words, your your church uh, and the people of your church, we're all experiencing this season together. And there's probably nothing more powerful that you can do than to show up in someone's life relationally and personally. You know, Jesus taught us in in his teaching, he taught us that uh, a good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one, right? We see that in Luke chapter 15, that a good shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. I think that is a a pretty uh, biblically faithful interpretation of evangelism, leaving the 99 and going after the one. What, why, though, can the shepherd leave the 99 and go after the one? How is that possible? The way that's possible is that the 99 are safe, that they're secure, that they're protected, and they're safe, and they're fed, And because their needs are shored up, the shepherd is free to go find the one that is missing. I think what's happened in this season of the local church, and I heard this taught on recently by a brilliant communicator named Katie Cole. I think what's happened in the local church in the recent season is this, the 99 are no longer safe. We've been in a season where the 99 have had some attack. And has some weakening. In fact, the 99 could look like 66 right now or 35 or something like that. And I know all of us have a heart to get back to going after the one. I know we feel called to go after the one. And I know it's it's God's plan and God's purpose for us as his church to go after the one. But before we can do that, I believe it's so essential that we be about the business of shoring up the 99 making sure the 99 are healthy and strong. And when, when that happens, I believe we will be even more effective in going after the one. You know, I'm not saying this to uh, create a dichotomy in the way that we think and lead, but I wanted to bring this up today as we're getting this episode started uh, to simply affirm you in your relational outreach today. There's probably nothing more important in this season than you as a church leader 
uh, showing care for those who have been entrusted to you. There's nothing more powerful than the people in your care and under your leadership seeing that from you and experiencing that from you. In other words, write that text, (laughs) send that voice note, schedule that coffee. It could be an absolute lifeline to the person on the other end of that conversation. I just wanted to encourage you in that today before we get started. Connection is the new excellence. I thought that was so brilliant and wanted to bring that to you. And uh, in that spirit, I know that this podcast often feels like a family. We hear from so many of you, but I know that this is often a one-sided conversation. And if there's any way we can be helping you or serving you in this season, I want to encourage you to reach out, contact myself, Leading Second on Instagram. Uh, We would love to know how we can walk us alongside you and help you in this season. Okay. As promised, today's interview is a continuation of last week's conversation with my pastor, Kevin Gerald, on how do I build trust with my pastor. To be honest, we started recording and the recording just went so long uh, that we just had to keep it going and move it to two parts. Today, we're going to talk about some things that um, I think I've really wanted to talk about for a long time. And I pray you'll catch it could even be a conversation that pushes against the grain a little bit of some things you've heard in current culture or news, but maybe it'll just remind us of who we are as Christ followers and leaders in the middle and God's great church. So without any more introduction, here is the continuation of the conversation with my pastor, Kevin Gerald, on how can I build trust with my pastor? Okay. So I think there's territory that we need to just, just poke the bear and get into here for a minute. And I'm, I'm kind of here for it after, after this season, we are seeing such a disintegration right now in our culture's language about leaders and people in authority. And there's major stories, thoughts that, that paint leaders and Christian church leaders as taking advantage of the people who are in their world and serving them. I mean, even if you want to take it as far into the depths of um, secular thinking, critical race theory, wherever you want to go with it, leaders are often in a considered now oppressor groups. And so the, the natural language is my leader. There's this fear of being taken advantage of and somehow. So when you say something like showing up in your leader's presence, you know, prepared. Uh, I used to view that as honor. I don't, I don't see that as my leader being presumptuous or, you know, you, if you were to, you've, you've actually never asked me that, but, but I've tried to do that. You know, I've tried to read between the lines and do that over the years. And so we've seen, and maybe you want to speak to this. We've seen a disintegration in that, that honor toward people in authority because we've been told they take advantage of you. And I just think it's a lie. I'm sure there are situations where that tragically happens and those need to be addressed. But I just think it's not it's not something we can broad brush over every leader, over every church leader. I feel like on the flip side, my life was actually shaped in those moments of of being around you all and honoring, you know, whether it was meeting practical needs in your life, a drive to the airport or you know, whether it was, um, just showing up prepared for an hour meeting that I made sure didn't go long or whatever. I just felt like it was honored. Would you agree with that? Where this is becoming a lost art right now among people toward their leaders. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because the loser 
is actually the individual who is hearing that and going, oh yeah, that's right. Nobody's gonna take advantage of me. And then you get independent in your naivety and you become withdrawn that you're so afraid of being taken advantage of by a bad leader that you don't hustle to engage, interact, and get in spaces and places where you can be in the presence of leaders and learn from leaders and serve leaders in an appropriate way. And so it's interesting that, you know, in the corporate world, it's called internship. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, <laughs> you, you do intern work. Um, there's a salon that I get my hair cut at. They have a, they have a one year unpaid. You don't get paid for one whole year of working at the salon every day, sweeping up the hair off the floors, um, getting lessons on cutting hair, but you don't get paid for a whole year because their level of excellence and expertise is so high. But once you make it, the people that make it in that salon, they have a clientele established. They're at a high level of demand. Their career is so much better than if they were trying to do this on their own by being mentored and learning. And so I think that a lot of people that get that attitude and form that attitude, unfortunately, are they're, they're young and they're naive to the real world and they're, they allow themselves to listen to that. They throw up the guard and then a leader like me feels it. And that's when it's bad. Totally. Because I totally. feel it. I feel like, whoops, their guard is up. I ain't going there. I, I, I don't want somebody thinking I'm taking advantage of them. They don't get it. They don't understand that yep. they have an opportunity right now to accelerate their own learning and their own ability by being in the room, being in the atmosphere and being a part. And they will, yep. it's like a fast move forward if they have the right mindset, which is where you and other of our leaders come in. There, there was a lot of young people that around the time that you began in our Bible college and there were others. I have no clue where they are today, but I know a lot of them made it. And the ones that made it versus the ones that didn't in ministry were like you. Right. They, they're the ones right. who get it. They understand. They never felt taken advantage of. They felt privileged, like the privilege of actually getting to be there, serve there, help out there, yes. ask questions there, drive to the airport. I've never demanded anybody drive me anywhere or do anything, but the people that do it, even to this day, are people who are, they, they get it. They want to be in the middle of the church, building the church, growing the church. We're looking for the, the ones that, that we can cultivate, the natural interns just by spirit yep. nature who love the church, feel called to the church, want to build the church. When they appear to me to be someone who's really worried about being taken advantage of, I will bypass them. Even if they're very talented, I will bypass that person hmm. uh, to go towards somebody who understands the value of having opportunity to be, be there serving and be there helping. I'll, I'll tell you the big difference for me 
over the years with you is that um, you weren't the one asking. I was the one asking. It, it, you're, you're right. It, it is weird if, if a leader has to overly demand it for themselves. But I'm, I'm thinking about my life and I'm, I'm just hoping that someone, I feel like the last of the Mohicans in this. And I, feel, I, I, I hope someone listening, this would like take it up for yourself. I chased that down. I, you know, back in the day I was you know, anymore. If I, if I ask for a meeting with you, I can pretty much get it now. Like it's, it's, I, I don't, don't usually have problems with that, but back in, but back in the day that was not common. I, it was, it was only at certain times for certain reasons. So how I got around it was I drove you to the airport. I, I, I hacked it. You know, I, I figured, well, you know, I, I'm probably going to get declined if I just want to have coffee. But, um, you know, I'm going to hack it and I'm going to pick up his groceries or something, or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wash his car. And, and I, I, I found my way around it. I was, I was, I was totally, um, (laughs) I, I I want, you know what it was is I, I just, I wanted, I wanted to learn everything I could. It wasn't even about value. It wasn't about even proximity. I just wanted everything that God and ministry had. And I knew where it was found. I just pray someone today would find some freedom and some hunger back into that place that it is, it is right. And it is good to cultivate, um, a relationship with your pastor. However, it looks, God did tremendous things in my life during driving you and others to the airport. It wasn't even just you. I did it for Um, there are some very real things that were spoken over my life in those moments that, that, um, maybe even in your eyes weren't, you know, were insignificant moments. I'll even say this, this is kind of funny. I mean, just, just a month ago, you and I were both at the same church. We were both speakers there at the same event. But as soon as I found out you were going to be there, I immediately thought to myself, okay, I will have two modes. I will be in my own guest speaker mode, but um, I'm also there to serve now because my pastor's there. So you don't even know this. I when I when I rented a car, which which was already the plan, but I made sure I got a car big enough and nice enough in case I drove you guys. What what ended up happening? I drove you a bunch. I happened to have my daughter on the trip. It was so funny, PK. One morning we went out to get you and Sheila coffee and breakfast and bring it to your room, which is very customary, you know, on the road and, and, um, happy to do it. And, um, you know, Zane's not a morning person and she didn't want to go. And it, you know, it was an opportunity for me to say, Hey, listen, this is what we do. This is who we are. We serve. And, um, it was so funny. Pastor Sheila snuck her 20 bucks. Uh, one of the days when she showed up, she, she put it in her jacket. Um, your assistant's name at the time is Tony. And she said, this is, this is your Tony money for the day. Uh, she, she went and bought a toy a couple of weeks later. She was so excited to go spend her Tony money, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a toy that she got from serving, you know, and, but, but I, I took the opportunity when you guys weren't there to say, Hey, this is what we do. Like, this is who we are. We're, we're here to serve. And maybe just to like pass that on. So I, I'm just, what I'm trying to say to someone is you don't graduate out of this. Like you, 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 if, if you want to serve your, your lifelong serving, I am 40 years old and was a guest speaker at that event. And I still, I still wanted and wanted my daughter to see we serve. 
Like this is what we do. It, 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 we'll do it the rest of our lives. And maybe someone could just pick up that hunger today. Yeah. And, and Brandon, let's add a little bit to that, that when you, when people serve, I have had this happen before. I've had people get in my, you know, get in that space that you're describing. And right away, I sense that they had an agenda. <laughs> right. And, and they were hoping that somehow, you know, they scored some kind of points by being in that spot. It's like they were doing it with their own motive or their own idea of how it might result in something for them. Don't do it like that. It backfires every time. Uh, it just doesn't work the same. When you do it in purity, it goes back to what I said early. If you genuinely believe that there's someone that knows things you don't know and has experience you haven't had, and you, you really believe that in your heart, then you don't, nobody has to convince you to just be the student, not the one, not the one selling something not the one trying totally to get somewhere totally you're just the, you're just glad to be in that because there might be some gold that is dropped along the way some conversation that comes that you're learning you're benefiting from and i don't know what that was for you brandon i don't know if you could speak to that but i think a lot of a lot of young people today they they don't dig for the gold they don't they almost, uh, I feel it sometimes, and I know there's other pastors who, you know, at least for me, I, I, I've written a few books, I've spoken at a few big conferences, I, I've got a little bit of a, a you know, a, a resume, but I think of a pastor who maybe isn't, hasn't done any of that, and a, a staff member who might would kind of just disregard um, what's in that pastor if they would only go mining for it and the gold that is there and, and they just see that and they pass over that and they're looking for the latest, greatest thing on Instagram or, you know, wh whatever it might be out there. And I'm begging, I'm appealing in leading second that maybe you need to take a new fresh look at the person in leadership uh, because most people aren't going to do that. Most people are just going to kind of move past it, looking, you know, that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. It's, it, it's looking for, you know, whatever it is you want and bypassing the person and the individual and the leaders that God's put in your life because of what you don't know. You, you don't know, and, and then you don't know that you don't know. Um, but maybe back to my thought with you, can you put your finger on what was it that convinced you that there was something in me or us that you could learn from or wanted to be around? Do you remember like what, what, how were you aware of that? I honestly believe today that you are you are grateful for everything that you've received and all the blessing and anything we I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I don't think that you had motives or even saw a future like you sitting here with me today 
you didn't see any of this when you were driving me to the airport or in my airspace or starting to be around me. There was something just a lot more simple going on, right? Absolutely. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a treasure in the field and in his joy goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. That has been the essence for me of my life and my approach in ministry. I, I sold my life to buy the field. There was nothing to me in life that was more valuable than, than the treasure in the field, which was ministry. No, nothing. I, I, I sold it all and it was a joy to do so because there was, there was a prize that I was, that I was mining for. You held a lot of it. You're my pastor. You do have respect in ministry nationally, internationally, but I will tell you, PK, I didn't just do it with you. That would be brown nosing. That would be, that would be motive and positioning. I could list off right now, 10 names that no one would have ever heard of. Um, and would even be some of them hard to find on, on Instagram or Facebook today that at the time I mined for gold in them as well. Actually, some of the very principles of the leading second ministry come out of things I mined for because th th there was a treasure in the field and I had to, I had to, I sold everything and it, it was a joy to do so like nothing else mattered. There, there was, there was no, there was no, for me anyways, just, there was no other accomplishment or way I even wanted to spend my time than, than doing that. So, so here's the deal. There was literally a, a Christmas morning. I drove you and your family to the airport. Like, and the reason it wasn't because you were presumptuous and wanted to ruin my Christmas or something. You had stayed in town long enough to be at church, you know, for Christmas Eve service, you had family in the Midwest. And so you flew out, you know, that it wasn't, it wasn't presumptuous. It was you, you were living on purpose. And, um, I was married at the time. You didn't ruin one thing for it because I, I actually married someone who sees it the same way. It's been a joy for the, for the both of us. She, her attitude was, well, drink a coffee, you know, don't, don't fall asleep driving past her, <laughs> you know, was, was, was her response. It wasn't, you know, why do you have to leave, you know, to leave on Christmas morning? You know, it, it, it just, it was never like that. And um, so I, I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but for me, it was the treasure in the field and it wasn't just you. It was, it was any leader God put in my life. Um, I, I looked for the gold. I listened for the gold and I've, I've been faithful with it. I've, I've built on it. So there are, there are people that hear us talk about things in leading second that came from all of those cumulative conversations for like 15 years. Um, that was what it was for me. You know, there are people right now that Brandon, I wish they would ask me, you know, I, there, there, there are people right now that have, even in our church, have become pastors themselves out of our church, or they are on our staff right now. They come in all different sizes and shapes, but they, they, they're not at their full potential. And mm -hmm. if they just asked me for input, I could help them so much. And I know I could, I'm not being presumptuous, but I'm not going to go where I'm not invited or welcomed in conversations or where they're not ready to really hear or receive what I have to say. 
So I'm saying that because I think there, for anyone who listens to us today, like you don't want to get in a pattern to where you're hesitant, you're holding back and your eagerness to learn and to grow and to put yourself in spots and places where uh, your pastor, beginning with your pastor and or others that you could get podcasts, whatever you can, be the student, be the listener. And then naturally, you know, a lot of people want to be the teacher before they actually have anything to say. So, you know, it's like the old saying about the, the dog chases the car what would he do if he caught it? You know, <laughs> he sinks his teeth into the bumper and then what's next? What are you going to do? And I think a lot of people want to be teachers. They want to be at certain positions. I want to pastor my own church. I want to, and really to aspire for all of that is the wrong aspiration. Aspire to learn, aspire to get better, aspire to be a better communicator, to be to be someone who gets it full on. Full. Think humbly of yourself in that you always assume that others know more than you do. And if you think that way, your day will come where it'll start spilling out of you. There'll be, you'll be asked to do something. You'll be asked to take a spot, a position. You'll be asked to answer a question. And then boom, 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 boom. And it all just starts coming together and morphing into something that People see, sense, feel in their respect for you. And the rest is up to God. Your job is, and my job even, to be honest with you, is to keep learning. Don't stop growing. Keep being a student and keep improving yourself. And as you do that, God takes care of the rest. So well said. And I'm just going to add one little thing on the end of that. And that, because you reference people looking, you know, I, I I've served, but looking for people to serve me, you know, and be, and being too concerned about, about reaping that fruit too soon. I will just say, uh, honestly, um, I still do not allow that to be a focus for me, but what I will tell you is I feel as blessed in this season as I've ever been of people that have signed on to serve with leading second and with other places. I mean, everything I did for people over the years, I'm finding that God is sending those people into our life and we're not even having to ask for it. Uh, we, we, we last summer in a pandemic had a couple move across the country to come serve on our leading second team in person. And I'm thinking, well, I did that. I, I actually physically did that. And look how I didn't ask it. I didn't seek it out. Um, I could get 10 people to drive me to the airport right now. If I asked, I still probably take Uber most of the time, but like I, I just don't worry. Don't, I, I guess this is my posture. If, if you're in the room, PK, I will always carry your Bible. I don't worry about someone carrying my Bible. It's just not even a thought. I don't care. God, God, God can take care of that. If, if someone wants to come alongside and pick that up and they, they find that seat valuable, then I'll invest. I'm not going to seek it out or worry about it. Uh, but, but I will always for as long as I have breath, do that for the people who have led me. And so maybe just the, the person who's, who's looking to reap that harvest too soon, don't worry about it. It'll happen. It'll happen in the right time for the right motive. You just got to trust God with that. Leave that to God, but you be a lifelong student, learner, server, and it'll go well with you. 
it'll God, 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 God will take care of everything. Hey, let's talk about one more thing. Uh, so much gold here. And, um, I, I, I could on that last point, I could talk about that for a very long time. Um, I want to talk about empowerment for a minute because PK, if I hear one thing from leaders, when I coach, when we talk, I think leaders want to experience trust with their pastor that leads to empowerment. They want to be trusted to make decisions or they want to be trusted to lead areas of ministry or they want to be trusted to do more. So empowerment is, is a really big end game for a lot of leaders, but of course, trust is the currency to get there. So what, what do you look for along the way? in order to be able to entrust greater levels of leadership and responsibility to people in your airspace? So I love that you asked me this question and I am really anxious to answer it because I feel like this is not talked about very much. And I have, I have red dotted it as a leader by asking myself, what is it? What is it? What is it? that gives me, you know, the, the comfort, the confidence to empower others at various levels. And I want to, I want to give you a few things, but I want to say the one thing that I think people are, are naive about somewhat is that when I consider, when I consider a person and empowering them for a position or role, I also have to ask, not just that I see them as capable or competent, how do other people see them? How do other people view that person? And is it going to be a hard sell for me? Like, am I going to have to sell others on this person and their ability? You know, just give them time, give them a chance, they'll come through for you. Or is that person already there? Like, is that an easy step and an easy shift to make because that person already has the credibility with other people? And I, I think that empowerment, a lot, of, uh, a lot of staff members, team members, leading second individuals could underestimate that. They could just think, well, the day my pastor sees you know, potential in me, then that's all that's important. Um, or they could listen to a few friends who actually don't know what it takes to be like, for example, we, we have people tell our staff members, why aren't you pastoring your own church? You know, you're pastoring maybe one of the campuses for Pastor Kevin. Why don't you go, why don't you just have your own church? People are going to always be naive. And if you listen to that, again, that will misguide you. So one of the things that I'm looking for is their level of credibility that's strong enough for this individual that when I empower them, it's an easy shift. That's what happened with David, by the way, is that he had a really bad leader named Saul who hated him and tried to oppress him and who held him back, and, but you can't hold back credibility like David gained. He gained so much credibility that people were following him, drawn to him, and the people you know gathered around him, and he had grown to the point where it's like a no-brainer. This guy 
is the the king. I mean, he is, it's pretty obvious, like he's the man. So I think that, first of all, I, I would say that if you're a leader, don't just think in terms of one day when my pastor sees a potential in me, then, you know, he'll, he'll move me up the ladder. He'll promote me. I'll become the worship pastor of our church instead of being on the team, whatever it might be. I would say understand that credibility across the board is oftentimes, it's one of those really important things that your pastor is looking for. He's looking for credibility that you might have with others. And, And that comes also as, I would say, ability, just ability, period, credibility, uh, likability is really important. Uh, you have to be likable. And then you have to have initiative. And probably, you know, that's a big one because I don't want, I don't have a lot of confidence in putting anyone in a position of leadership who needs to be told what to do. Uh, all the time. I need them to be at a level where they intuitively, instinctively will find out what the next move is to build and to grow their team. So uh, there's got to be initiative, like we talked about hunger, uh, and then ownership. Just, I have to know when I'm going to empower somebody that they are going to treat the church and the people and the buildings and the property and the team as if they are responsible for the welfare and the well-being of all of the above, for the care, the progress. Not You can't have people that are like, well, you know, I, I just got made the children's director of my church. I don't really care what goes on in the youth department. <laughs> you know, well, wait a minute. No, you're the children's director, but you got to care about the whole big picture and the church right. and the health and the well-being. And so that's those are the things an owner, uh, having an owner and a person who loves people enough that says and loves the church enough that says, you know what, with everything I have in me, I will not let you down. I yep. will not let you down. I will not let our church down. I will not let God down. I will not let you as a person in our congregation down. Um, I'm an owner. I'm going to do everything I can to make uh, the church move forward, help the church move forward. I remember you talked about that in your, uh, in your book, Naked and Afraid. You, you talked about the full ownership policy, which is so interesting right now because we have so much victim uh, mentality being played up in culture right now and, and, and building entire, entire ways of life off of victimhood. And, and I loved, you may, you may want to speak to it, but I loved how you phrased it, the full ownership policy. And I think leaders could benefit from that. Four, four things, all in, all in, no victim, no blame, no excuses. Yep. I'm all in. That's that, you know. I'm not, I'm not kind of thinking, well, maybe I am not really sure. No, I'm all in. I'm living for this and no blame, no victim, no excuses. So good. Full ownership. 
But again, we're talking about empowerment. You're asking me, what am I looking for? What is it that gives me the confidence? So I know a few days ago, you were presenting to our team church uh, directional team. After the week before, you presented to our own Champion Center lead team the plans for our conference for yep. this year. And I have had very little to do with that process. Um, this is what I think you're going back to. Of course, I heard it out along with, you know, everyone else, maybe a little bit before. I vetted it a little bit, offered some input with you. But the point is that a few, just a few years ago, you know, I would have been questioning a whole lot more. I would have been thinking with you alongside you a lot more. I would have, you would have right. been put, putting things. Now we're at a trust level where I'm so comfort, comfortable just having you come in, you present it. I'll kind of guide, encourage everybody to ask questions or whatever, but I'm trying to create an image for the people who yep. are watching today to understand trust grows. And when it does, you're willing to empower and you want to empower leaders want to empower people they can trust. Yeah. And just, just to speak to timeline of that. Um, I mean, I've been in between, between Bible school and everything since then. I mean, this summer that will be like 22 years. So, so for perspective, um, like, I feel like I started experiencing that dynamic more like three or four or five years ago, you know, on an, on an increasing scale. So the leader out there that's two years in, that's wanting that, like you, you got to earn your stripes a little bit. You got to You got to stay faithful just a little bit longer. It, it takes a while to cook and it's okay. Like, like feel okay with that process maturing because it does get better and trust is beautiful in its later years as it matures. Yeah. And I think, and I think don't assume that somebody's holding you back. Yep. Reject yep. that thought that my pastor's holding me back. No, don't, don't even go there. Even yep. if there's an ounce of truth in that, um, you, you don't do yourself a favor by thinking that way you do yourself a favor by continuing to prove yourself as reliable, prove yourself as likable, prove yourself as competent, having credibility, prove those things and just keep raising the bar on those things. And I promise you, if you just focus on that, nobody's holding you back. Nobody will hold you back. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Hey, um, PK, thank you so much for, for all of this today. This is, um, honestly, it's just been a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time. So, so today was as much for me as for anybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm going to ask you one more question before we go, but just to honor you and, and thank you for 35 plus years of pastoring in the Northwest and, and, you know, still, still believe that, that the greatest impact of, team church and and your leadership still to come but we just honor you today thank you for all the little airport ride gold over the years uh it, it, la it did land somewhere valuable i promise uh let me just lob this up for you at the end um what, what's your what's your greatest prayer for the local church in this next in this year 2021 
as we're leading through a very interesting season. Wow. Uh, my, I, I think the, uh, I want to, I want to go over one thing that I think is, is happening right now in the nation is that I feel like that the nation recognizes a lack of unity and is pushing toward that. And I don't think you can find that uh, outside of Christ. And my hope is that the church would find its ability to rise above the strife that has, has troubled a lot of Christians and churches and find a real true unity uh, this year that has nothing to do with politics is greater than politics. It had that, that we would really find our sink. And I believe we are, I, I, I believe we're on our way. And in fact, I believe some of the things that have happened, it's almost like everything that could be shaken is being shaken and where there's gonna be strife in people's hearts, it's happened already. And now I'm just looking and praying and believing that the church will rise up with a greater unity than it has ever had before. And, and we would build stronger teams that will build the church. The, the message that Jesus brought was powerful, as we know, in its parables and, and all that he gave us instruction on. But one of the most powerful things Jesus brought was his example whenever he picked his disciples, and then he went from 12 to 70, and he kept on multiplying this thing called the church and proclaimed that I will build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. To me, that captures what we are to do throughout, throughout our entire life into eternity. And so regardless of what's happened in the world, my prayer is just that the church would continue to be built, we continue to move forward, we continue to bust down and bust through every kind of barrier and, and would, would be able to go where right now social media might try to stop us from going or some of those news outlets might would get in the way. My prayer is that nothing would be able to stop the very gates of hell would not be able to stop the forward motion of God's great church. And as I say it, I get excited, Brandon. I never talk about the church and the future of the church without getting excited because in my heart, I really believe that that's what's happening. The gates of hell will not prevail. We will grow. We will increase. We will make progress. And so 2021 is that year of new unity and occupying new places and spaces for the glory of God. Amen. I believe it. Thanks so much, PK. Love you. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Brandon. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond. And join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.